Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Just after 7 o'clock local time in the evening with the sun starting to set over the outside courts where Matt Roberts and myself, David Law, look down on Wimbledon. We can see court number one over to our left, centre court over to our right. We're sitting inside one of the BBC's commentary boxes where I often occupy during the daytime for my role on BBC Radio 5 Live. And actually, funny enough, it's... It's not been anything like the drama of yesterday, has it? Even though it was today that we were expecting to be the match, the day full of all sorts of drama and stuff going on, that the upsets happened yesterday. Yeah, you're very used to being in a commentary box. My my first ever time in a commentary box. I'm looking what, round. What do you think? It's it's great. I mean, what, what a view we've got up here. You can see the London skyline in the distance, the Gherkin, the Shard, and just a row of courts, 14 through to 17, where Paul Jubb is finishing up. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the reason we're recording it a little bit earlier today, because yeah. it's not quite as much as has happened today, even though, as you said, all the names, the big names are on this sort of side of the draw. And actually, we were talking yesterday about how this was only the third day in the last nine years that more women's matches were scheduled on both centre court and court number one than men's matches. And as it turns out, because of the way the matches have all gone, they've ended up not not having four women's matches and two men's matches, they've having six women's matches because they they finished the centre court and the court one schedules so quickly that they've managed to put additional matches on. I think Donna Vekic is against Alison Riska over there on court number one at the moment. And if we look through... The day that we've had, mine started on centre court with Angelique Kerber defending her title against Tatiana Maria. And it was one of those matches, I think the scoreline was 6-4, 6-3, and yet it was nothing like that. On that sort of, If you just read that on paper, you'd think, oh, there we go. Mm. De- defending champion, off to a, a pretty efficient clinical start. And it was nothing like that. Maria comes on and she just... 
I know she plays forehand slices, but <laughs> it was it was comical to see how many she was throwing at Kerber, just trying to throw her off her rhythm, and uh, and it was working to to a, to a large degree. And Kerber had to just steal herself in order to to get the job done in a relatively efficient manner. Yeah, I didn't see a huge amount of that match. That that is interesting that that you say that because I kind of I did kind of read the score and think that was just a pretty routine win for Kerber. Whenever I did look up at it, Kerber seemed to be sort of looping forehands quite a lot, not she, really well, properly uh, hitting through them. Very interesting to listen to Annabelle Croft who I, who I was sitting with for that match on Five Live and and she said that Maria was kind of drawing her into her kind of match mm. and she was making Kerber push okay. rather than hit the ball. You know how Kerber likes pace, she doesn't likes she? And turns it on the opposition. She can absorb it with those legs of hers getting down low and she wasn't getting any of that. So it was she was having to actually conjure. It was quite interesting to watch her come up with creative solutions in order to win the match and still sort of managed to make it a counter-attacking performance even though she was up against this player throwing in these off-pace shots more of off-pace shots later uh, when we get <laughs> on to Nick Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic anyway uh, Angelique Kerber efficiently through we'll just stay on centre court for a moment though because after that Roger Federer came onto the court and you're expecting the flourish aren't you you're expecting the hello everybody I'm here and <laughs> The quite the opposite. Lloyd Harris, who's 22 years of age, six foot five, back to front baseball cap, early career Rory McIlroy hair, uh, with it look, looks a bit like a clown in a way. And yet, <laughs> my goodness, did he come out and go for it? Yeah, it was the closest we got to the drama that we were expecting today. Was when Lloyd Harris took the first set six three against Federer. Federer was so slow in that first set. He said it himself in press conference. I was, I was like a snail. He used those words to describe his movement in that first set. And a little bit nervous, which is not something you would think does happen, but it does happen to these, these top players. You know, they're not immune to those kind I of like things. I like that. I like the way Federer is prepared to admit that he gets nervous hmm. and that he was nervous out there today. And Harris played well. He hits a big ball and Federer wasn't really reading him. But as sort of... As slow as he was at the start, he was that sharp by the end. He played himself into really good form, and by the end he was hitting through his ground strokes really solidly, coming coming forward, serving quite a lot of aces. And, yeah, he looked good by the end, but it, it was a little jarring to see him so slow in the in the first set. I wonder why that was. I, I mean, I, talking to Pat Cash, who was in the, the commentary box, I'm, I'm dropping names like a good one today, aren't I? Uh, he was saying that he, he felt it was mainly due to his opponent. He felt like Harris, obviously they'd never played each other before, and he's never felt the game mm. of Harris, and he felt that he just shunted him out of his rhythm by taking him on and going for it so powerfully from the off and and it's difficult to get a rhythm in that case and maybe that's that's something that jay clark who federer plays next and has never played before can try and learn from i I don't i'm not sure he has quite such a big game as lloyd harris that he might not be able to impose himself on federer quite so much but at least he will have that element of surprise because federer admitted that he's not seen much of jay clark either but i mean you came up with a cracking stat about um the sort of golfing experience between Federer and uh, Lloyd Harris today, that Federer had won more Wimbledon titles, eight, than 
Harris had played matches on grass seven at any level at any level which, which is bonkers if and you if you people could see my smug face right now <laughs> as stat Matt Roberts here gives me credit for a statistic <laughs> I tell you 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 would you would well, you can probably imagine it just go on just go on the Instagram page and if any time I get any prediction right rare occurrence I saw um John Wertheim tweet tweet a funny one as well that Federer had more match wins than Harris had Twitter followers. <laughs> and uh, and he still does. I think, I think that gave Harris a bit of a boost, but Federer is still ahead. He's got a career, though, hasn't he, Harris? 22, from South Africa, 6 foot 5, big game. There's something there. I, I first sort of became aware of him at the Australian Open this year when I was chatting to colleagues of ours and they were saying oh that, that that's a tricky first match for Medvedev against this Lloyd Harris who's up and coming Medvedev as it happened absolutely crushed him on the day but yeah he's he's got something and actually when he won that first set he was he that was four sets in a row that Federer had lost at Wimbledon against South Africans because he lost three in a row last year to Kevin Anderson <laughs> what a great stat only Matt could come up with that one uh, anyway, Federer through, and, and what, I, what I should say, for any Federer fans listening to this thinking, oh, I don't like the sound of this, he, he wasn't rocked by it, really, oh, was no. he? Once that first set had gone and he just cleared his head and got, found his footing, he was actually really good. He was, yeah. He for was, the rest yeah, of the match. The, the, the winners were flowing by the, the end. Incidentally, you mentioned the snail pace that he felt he was playing at. That was actually in response to the snail pace of the court, mm. which is getting quite a bit of attention on the first couple of days here. The pace of this court really appears to be sluggish. Yeah, and I think particularly as well what a lot of people are saying is it's very slow compared to the Orangi courts, which are slow but not as slow as the as the main courts. Uh, Barty, I know, said that they just need to be played on more and they and they will quicken up throughout. They'll wear a little bit, yeah. won't they? Because I think one of the comments that, that I read from one of the players, and I can't remember who it was now, said that they feel quite long. I think it was Pliskova. She okay. said yesterday after winning her match that they're not skidding through. There's nothing really happening when you hit the ball on them. And I can imagine that. You know, it looks... I always think because the the, the stripes on these courts are so pronounced that there is... I, I, my understanding is there is a little more length in them and, okay. and that's part of the effect you get. They, they look incredibly pretty, but, yeah, they, they need to just... Um, wear a little and I know also that the ball Wimbledon used the Slazinger ball is quite heavy and sort of fluffy it doesn't it doesn't fly so if you've got that combination of slightly longer grass with that ball it, it's going to feel quite slow I think I couldn't be doing with these courts if I was playing I mean you know if I hit one good shot in 10 I want that one to be a <laughs> to winner to be a winner yeah right <laughs> um, so Federer through and he plays Jay Clark who incidentally well done to him fighting back from a set down against Noah Rubin of the United States I walked past that court and I saw him lose that first set and I I didn't see that fight back coming and, and good for him you know he's dug in and he's one of five British winners so far today because Cameron Norrie got a win um, who was he up against now I can't remember we also had uh, wins for Johanna Conta against Anna Bogdan um, Dennis Sisterman Dennis Sisterman and that's yeah I remember seeing that on the on the scoreboard and thinking Oh, that that could be difficult. You know, Isterman's had mm. wins in the past. He knows what he's doing on this surface. Um, and then there were wins for Harriet Dart, which was a particularly impressive result. I thought I wasn't expecting her to come through. Um, so that's have I, have I missed somebody? 
Joe Conter. Yeah, Joe Conter, who beat Anna Bogdan. Dan Evans. Dan Evans, of, of course. course. How can I forget dangerous Dan, the Brummy Murray uh, <laughs> Evans, who managed to win through against um, Federico Del Bonis and is now into the second round as well. So Serena Williams was the... Th- I basically stayed on centre court well, today. Well, the, the stat about the Brits, the, so the five Brits joining the two Brits from yesterday, it means there's seven in round two as we speak, obviously dependent on Paul Judd, but that, the seven in round two is the most since 2006 wow. at Wimbledon, and if Judd wins and it were eight, then it would be the most since 1997. We should say that's looking a little unlikely. Yeah. Uh, Paul Job lost the first set six love against Schwau, so, so although, although, hold on folks, we can see that match from our commentary box vantage point here. It's about four widths of a court away from us at the moment. There are, there are several courts in between us. And then you, and then all of these ones are completely deserted. And then the one that Paul Jubb is on, we can't actually see him. No. Because it is so surrounded by people around the court and then also standing on the seats of an, an adjacent court to get a viewpoint. And he is now three love up, is Paul Jubb in the third set, as we come to you in soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news here <laughs> on the Tennis Podcast. Um, so we'll keep you in touch with that anyway. And you can also check websites for scores. <laughs> We're just here for the silly opinions and predictions. Uh, Serena Williams, as I was mentioning, I, I basically just sat in our centre court commentary box on Five Live and I can't stand up in that in that commentary box if i try to stand up i'm basically stooped double it's it's four foot tall i'm (laughs) six foot seven inches tall um and they they give you these incredibly low down seats so that i can actually not have to stoop whilst sitting down so your knees are sort of up by your head correct yeah. It's not. I'm, a, I'm picturing it. It's not an Instagrammable <laughs> site, uh, is what I would suggest. Uh, anyway, I stayed there the whole day, and I watched Serena Williams come on against Giulia Gatto Monteconi of Italy, who's 161 in the world, and who had never played a main draw match at Wimbledon before. And she's been trying for 13 years. She's, you know, she's an experienced player of 31 years of age. And finally, she qualified both at the French Open and here. I saw some of the video scenes of, of, of these qualifiers. And it was so uplifting to watch how much it meant to her. And then to take to the court today. And then she found herself five love down after 18 minutes. And I was really uh, concerned for her that it could just be something she might go away from hating the memory of. And yet, first of all, it has to be said, Serena Williams did not look that good today. Um, I was watching her with Chanda Rubin, former world number six, and she just said she's a step slower mm. than she than she is when she's at her best. And, I mean, that's inevitable, isn't it? She's only played 12 matches. This was her 13th all year. So there's not enough matches in the legs, really, and and, and that sharpness that you need... And then Gatto Monticone suddenly <laughs> managed to uh, find some, some immense form and, uh, and she got herself back into the match and, uh, and made a real fight of the second set. And, and really, it was the, the final point of the match that, that everybody will go away remembering. A, because it was just a lovely rat-a-tat-tat rally at the net with... I think Serena hit five volleys in order to win the point. The final one of them was one of those sort of Wonder Woman swooshes into action where she seemed to fly and then swipe this two-handed backhand cross-court away for a winner. And it was just punctuated with the most 
the extreme of celebrations. It, it was the it was the most determined surge to the net I've ever seen. It was like I'm going to finish this match at the net. <laughs> I don't care how many volleys I'm going to hit. If I have to end up on your side of yeah. the net, I'm coming in. She was just moving closer and closer to the net with every volley, and she, yeah, she's huge scream as she as she won it. Um, but yeah, I, I was very pleased that it turned into a match. And to be honest, I think Serena was. She said in her post-match interview, that was that was the match I needed. Like yeah. She wasn't necessarily playing well. And if she'd just not played very well, but won kind of 6-love, six 6-2, six and just because the opponent had been so nervous or overcome by the occasion, she wouldn't have learnt much about herself. But I think it was a important match for her to sort of deal with moments in matches as you said she's just not played many mm. um and she said she it's the best she felt since february in terms of her knee well, that's so, good which is a which is a good sign that she's willing to say that i think yeah uh, I, I, my my mind isn't my eye has just been taken by the sight of six court attendants in their green outfits and blue shorts all carrying wooden brooms <laughs> and they've gone to the baseline on a court just a, a couple away from us here and they've started sweeping up the baseline. Uh, I imagine to get rid of all the dust that's, that generates from the, the footholds of, of all the movement. They're now balancing their brooms on sort of two fingers and trying not to drop it all over the court. Showing off. They are showing off, Basically. Yeah. Oi. That, that's going to end badly. You're supposed to be doing a job, not faffing about. Anyway, uh, so... On court number one, which is over to our left at the moment, we can see its glorious roof that hasn't been used and probably won't get used. Imagine how annoyed you'd be if you get to the end of the tournament and you're the you're the person who's a designed it and b the somebody whose job is just to press the button <laughs> and you don't get to do it. Uh, anyway, we're two days in, no roof sightings as of yet. Started with Ash Barty against Jung Sai Sai, straightforward, straight sets for Barty. Yeah, Barty said she, she said that. Aesthetically now, it's very similar to the centre court with the roof. It, it kind of feels the same, mm. and she did have to adjust a little bit to it. It did when I was out there too <laughs> a couple of days ago. Uh, but yeah, she she played well on 13 wins in a row now for Barty, and only two sets dropped in that 13 run. 13 in a row? Yeah. Blimey. Who did she last lose to? There's a there's one he doesn't know. There's one. I don't, I've it, got it. Would have been Rome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Blimey. We'll look that up later. Um, so Ash Barty has won through, as did Johanna Conta. We mentioned that briefly. I think that was seven five six two for Conta or some, something in that region. And she'll be satisfied. It's a good draw. Again, all, a lot of the British players did have good draws, and that was another one. And then Nadal came onto the court against Yuichi Sagita, who actually went a break up early on against Nadal, but it didn't last long. No, he won, he won 11 of the first 13 points, I think. And obviously we'll get on to Kyrgios, but I thought, God, wouldn't, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be ironic if the Nadal-Kyrgios match doesn't happen because Nadal doesn't get there? <laughs> um, but it was that was premature because then Nadal sort of gradually got back into it and then eventually just stamped authority all over. Yeah, and I think we'll use that as the segue to get into Nick Kyrgios <laughs> because, I mean, as you rightly say, it was really Kyrgios who we were questioning whether he would get there and he played Jordan Thompson. And it, every match Kyrgios plays now, it's it's really exhausting to watch, isn't it? Emotionally, just with your... He just frays your temper... When you're watching him. Well, he walks this line between sort of clownery and 
antics and pure genius. And the line for him is so thin. Uh, but there's another element as well, isn't it, of that just don't give a toss, um, which he also throws in now and again. And, and we'll get on to the fourth set in a minute. But, I mean, mm. you and I actually had words halfway through this match because you were, say, you were saying how much you were enjoying it, how, how funny you were finding it. How you, and, and I was really getting wound up. Now I'm, I, I feel like normally we're the other way around yeah, with Kyrgios. I mean, and, and it's interesting, obviously, we throw Catherine into the mix. She'll be back with us tomorrow, incidentally. And, and also her brother as well, Matt, Matthew, who... who he he always whenever Kyrgios is on he pipes up because he's getting involved and this is what Kyrgios does he makes everybody want to chime in I had I had no intention of watching that match today that there were other matches going on that I thought were more interesting or noteworthy and yet I got I just got sucked in first set here's the thing Kyrgios, Kyrgios is his best when I love watching him most is when he comes out and he goes for it and he hits out and he plays proper tennis and then throws in a few mm. off-pace shots and a, and a pointless, needless, through-the-legs passing shot tweener when he doesn't just doesn't need to, but it's kind of funny and, and he gets away with it or, or whatever. That's when I like seeing him and, and, a, and a little row with the crowd or whatever it might be. These days, it seems to have become... It's almost... WWE-esque you know it's almost wrestling type behaviour where the line has just been shifted and and he's and now virtually everything is in the extremes the, there's mm-hmm. no more just going out there and hitting big serves and playing big tennis and then throwing a bit in a bit of tomfoolery it's all antics now oh, and now he, he may well say i didn't go to his press conference today but he may well say look off pace shots are my are one of the things that i do andy murray used to say that as well it's a way of throwing your opponent off off balance and and, and it's an attacking type of tennis in its own way but he was doing it every single point he was hitting numerous unnecessary through the leg shots and it was I, I was just getting infuriated by it and it just started to make me think look you know, you're not getting anywhere. This is the point. You may be doing all this stuff, but, you know, your career best Grand Slam performance is still five years ago against Rafael Nadal in 2014. Sure, yeah, but but he did win. Like he, he, <laughs> oh, yeah. he was doing all this, and yet he was still winning. For me, I, I, I just hate seeing a lack of effort. And there was one set where we did see a lack of effort. But he, he won five points in the fourth set. Yeah, and he lost it in 18 minutes. And But he was asked about that in the press conference, and he said sort of quite confrontationally, yeah, but what happened in the fifth set? And, and look, I, I have to say, I'm right behind him there. In that regard, I'm right behind him. I don't care. If you, if you can still win the fifth set, you can do whatever you like in the fourth. And he plays Nadal next. He doesn't have the mental or physical endurance, I don't think, to go toe-to-toe with Nadal, full pelt, over five sets for however many hours it would be. No, he'll need to take a he set will off. Need, he will probably need to take a set off. Which, I, look, I, the year that I got into tennis, 1991, I, I liked it before, but that's when I fell in love with it, was because Jimmy Connors played Aaron Crickstein in a match that anybody who's ever seen the replay will will still talk about today they used to fill rain delays in the US Open with it and Connors went two sets to one down by losing the third set 6-1 and he did not try in that set 
suddenly in the fourth set, he's like a man possessed. <laughs> and he comes back and he wins it in five. And look, it it's really pushes the boundaries of fair play. You do feel for the opponent. We we too too rarely talk about Kyrgios's opponents in these situations about what it must do to them. But look, it's still within the rules and I feel very differently about Bernard Tomic's effort mm. levels today. He lost in 58 minutes. And there are, and he said I was terrible today, but there were also question marks over his, his actual effort level. Ian Carter, who was commentating on Five Live for us, said he wasn't running at all in the match. And he was qu- quite disgusted with what he saw. It's actually, it's actually a challenge to make a three set match under an hour you you have you have to almost put put effort in to do that if and what i mean by that is the effort comes from giving no effort if that if that makes sense it's it's it was an appalling performance he 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 wasn't trying i mean as much as he said he just played badly he he wasn't trying and actually he dodged the question from i think from george belshaw who 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 said you know were you happy with your effort today? Any just the next question. Next question. Now, so look, if you want to throw the book at him, I think that I think there's a, a very fair argument to say you're not getting your forty five thousand pounds losers check there. One thing I did want to just add is something that Pat Cash said in our commentary box on Five Live is, and it was a really impassioned, not defence of Bernard Tomic, but just wanting to make the point about what this guy has had to deal with in his life versus certainly in his words he feels he's been the victim of perhaps some of the worst caretakering that's what the the word he used in reference to his his father that he's seen in tennis and he says I'm not afraid to say this out loud it's just what this guy has has had to put up with in his upbringing is is not conducive really to to being able to to produce your best and you have to factor that in when you when you judge Bernard Tomic and and he said look I think the guy is he's not a bad guy he and and my view of him is also that I've seen and Catherine and I've discussed it on the podcast in the past we've seen moments of real kindness from Bernard Tomic and feel for him I mean he's also behaved abominably at times too he can't I'm not going to pretend he hasn't but you also have to factor in what he has had to deal with. And it's not like some of the players that we revere. They've, mm. had, a, they've had more of a chance. But I suspect the book may well get thrown at Bernard Tomic. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. 
That's where Home Chef comes in, being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times. Well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We had wins today for Petra Kvitova, uh, who has been injured, obviously, of, of late. Garbina Magarutha lost in straight sets to Beatrice Haddad Meyer. Magarutha, Wimbledon champion of a couple of years ago. I mean, it's pretty depressing, really, yeah, isn't she, it? Yeah, she wasn't good. She was not good at all. She she didn't take questions in English, but there was a bit in Spanish, but she was sort of batting them away. She she didn't want to get into it, and which is a shame, I think. She's, she almost... She has this. She still almost has this sort of regal air about her, but I think she just hasn't maybe quite accepted her position now, which is way down the rankings. Mm, it's it's a strange situation. Um, also, a bit depressing was the press conference that Maria Sharapova gave, and she retired love five down in the third set. And I mean, it sounds bad, that does, retiring at Love 5 down, but that must have been quite serious, mm. I think, because I don't think she's the type of player who who retires easily from tennis matches. I don't think, I don't think that that was sort of a flippant, oh, I'm not going to give you the no, win. I don't no. think that's what that was about. She was in a lot of pain. And she was in tears in the press conference, which, again, I've never, never seen, seen before. And, uh, and actually, she was asked... You know, how are you dealing with this situation? That, that you, I mean, she can't get through matches at the moment in her career. She can barely get into tournaments um, fit, fully fit. And she's, she was asked by, by one of the questioners, I, I suppose coming off the back of the Naomi Osaka exit from the press conference in tears yesterday, do, do you, would you rather not be here right now? I mean, almost kind of will understand if you don't and she says no no I want to be here this kind of this is my job I didn't finish the match but I'm going to do this um and I mean there's a lot of reasons to be as we've expressed not the biggest fan of Maria Sharapova's over the last couple of years but just on a human level I did feel for her today yeah and the the emotional press conferences have been a theme of this first two days so many players have been sort of tearing up or just looking really sad and, and Federer was actually asked about it and he said my advice would would really be to try and compose yourself before you come to the press conferences he, he said I was so emotional when I was younger but I, mm. I, I I tried to learn to wait a bit and sort of go a bit later and it, it, they have been really tough watches a lot of these press conferences because you do you just see the toll it takes on these players. Yeah, and it's a tough one, you know, because one of my jobs in my early stages of my career was to take players to their press conferences and to approach a player that has just lost 7-6 in the third or 6-4 in the fifth. Uh, I remember having to do it with Tim Hemmen in 2000. He just lost a, in a fifth set against Mark Philippoussis here at Wimbledon. And it was... It was heartbreaking, really, mm. to see him in the corner of the locker room, his head in his hands in tears. And 
trying to pick the right moment to go up to him and say, Tim, how long do you need until we go to the press conference? I've had so many situations like that over the years, either when a player was just too emotional to deal with it or too angry to deal with it. Um, And, I mean, on a human level, my, my advice always was, and my feel for the situation always was, just just wait until they've, they've, they can handle it. Um, mm. And at the same time, I don't want to just media train out their reaction because the human response is, A, what people want to hear. They, they, they don't want to have some robotic answer. And the, I also think sometimes it can be quite cathartic for a player to, to share it. With, with people and get it out of the system. That's certainly what we've seen with Osaka previously. Not not here, as it turned out, but certainly on other occasions. She, she I mean, I, I know Catherine's talked a lot about that, how Osaka uses press conference to formulate her thoughts mm. and sort of deal with matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But I know what Federer's saying. Mm. I mean, that's a, a classic Federer yeah. kind of bit of advice and, who, well, who's better kind of educated and experienced in in what's required in order to to give advice um we're going to see more of roger federer certainly in a couple of days time we have got an order of play tomorrow incidentally taylor fritz won today this is as i said he would uh, catherine's not giving me that one though i don't think yeah i feel sort of duty bound to to say that that prediction Okay, it counts, but we're not happy with it. Fritz to beat Burdick. Uh, the uh, the premise of our predictions is upsets, right. and that was uh, that was Fritz' recent titleist in Eastbourne against to beat, the to beat Burdick, runner-up here in twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten, David. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Matt, <laughs> what happens is Matt puts on our little message group um, late at night for the newsletter because this is where, where where it goes. Our daily prediction goes in the newsletter. And if you want to get on the mailing list, you can, um, and we'll, we'll you'll see our rubbish predictions every <laughs> single morning and various other little highlights on the newsletter too. Um, and what happens is Matt says last thing at night, predictions, and so I put mine down, and then I just turned you off went my to bed, phone. Didn't you? I yeah. turned off my phone and went to bed immediately. <laughs> uh, a because I'm trying really hard to get sleep this fortnight, which is a rare thing. And B, if I turn off my phone, then I won't hear it buzzing and hear all the other chat and want to get involved, which is what I normally do. So uh, I turned it off, and you woke and up. And I woke up to just this <laughs> this immediate protest from from Catherine Whitaker, who, as I said, delighted to say we'll be back tomorrow on the tennis podcast. Uh, anyway, it counts, and uh, she got hers wrong, so I'm winning. Uh, tomorrow on <laughs> Centre Court, uh, we are opening with Karolina Pliskova against Monica Puig. I bet that'll be good. Match. That's good, yeah. Uh, then it's Kyle Edmund getting a second Centre Court bow against Fernanda Vadasco. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, if it does feel a bit weird, doesn't it? Kyle Edmund getting two. I like it. I like, yeah, um, yeah. I, I wasn't. I was less sure about the first one. I didn't. I honestly didn't think that was a Centre Court match, but. Um, yeah, I, I think of of the men's matches tomorrow, British number one against Vadasco. Yeah, it's a mm. good match. We've seen the, those two, uh, Vadasco and Murray, go at it yes. six years ago here. Novak Djokovic against Dennis Kudler is the third match. Then on court one, it's Heather Watson against Annette Kontovet. Feliciana Lopez against Karen Hatchinov after that. I'm going Lopez. Uh, is, that, is that your prediction? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. Can I have that? A, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Oh. Thanks. Caroline uh, <laughs> uh, Wozniacki after that. Stan Vavrinka against Riley Apelka, seven feet tall, uh, over on court two. Is he going to knock out Vavrinka? Uh, 
He might. Is, I mean, he, I, I imagine he can play a similar kind of grass court game to what Mahou played at Queen's. Oh, Wawrinka's just going to be pulling his hair out against the Pelco, mm. isn't he? He's going to be fuming. But he, but he does have, Wawrinka, that chip return, mm. which, I does, yeah. which, which does help him against big servers. No, I think you might be right in, in a way, someone who we didn't mention, Shapovalov, who lost today, who's now lost 10 of his last oh, 12 matches. Don't. He, he does not have a chip return yet. at all yes. yet. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I Shapovalov rant, but it just on grass these swings. I, I mean, two years ago he looked quite good on grass. Now he just looks rushed all the time in a way that Wawrinka, though grass isn't his favourite surface, at least can block. Mm, you're upsetting me. Simona Halep's <laughs> after Wawrinka against Bozanescu, Kevin Anderson against Janka Tipsaric. That's a good match. Then Corey Goff. Coco Goff against Magdalena Rabarakova, fourth match on court number two. Um, and, yeah, there's loads of tennis. I could I could go on for another ten minutes about all the matches on tomorrow. Anything else you want to say before we leave, Matt? Uh, Dominic Team. We didn't mention him. Yeah, Dominic Team is out at the hands of Sam Querrey. Yeah. Four sets. Six love, fourth set. What it, happened there? It was one of those matches where I didn't know who was the favourite going into it. I think probably... I probably would have given the ace to team, but it was not really a surprise to see him lose. And I went, I nearly went with that for my prediction. Then I just thought, I'll be safe. Oh, he's <laughs> hurtful, hurtful. Matt Roberts here on the tennis but, podcast. But, but, but I went to team's press conference. I was interested. I didn't ask him because someone actually asked a question before me about just how he's going to figure out his scheduling on grass because if he keeps having deep runs at all the clay events and then deep runs in Paris... Stop reaching the French Open well, final. <laughs> what's he going to do about grass? Um, and he doesn't really have a solution. He's, only played, he's played four grass court matches in the last two years. He's, he's not really playing. And it feels harsh to criticise team for not playing enough on a surface because we, <laughs> because we normally say he plays too much. So perhaps we just need to accept that... And he needs to accept that this sort of period of the season... He just needs a kind of a kind draw at Wimbledon. Yeah. Otherwise, he's he's going to come unstuck. And obviously, Sam Querrey is not a kind draw. No, it's not. And uh, Sam Querrey is through. So this has been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, Rio, with a Y. As I said, Catherine Whittaker will be back with us tomorrow. Tell people you know about the tennis podcast, neighbours, random passers-by, anybody who's got a tennis racket or anybody who looks like they might be interested in tennis, just tell them about us. You know, I mean, maybe they'll enjoy it. Uh, and we'll get more listeners and then we can get them contributing to our Kickstarter and we can send Matt to even more tournaments. That's what we're looking to do. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Many of you have. We really appreciate it. Helps elevate our ranking and basically makes us feel good. Uh, so we'll be back again with another one of these tomorrow and every day throughout Wimbledon. See you tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.